Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news, news of great joy for the whole nation. Today there has been born to you in the city of David a deliverer, the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Luke 2, verses 11 and 12. And with that, the shepherds went straight to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened. Verse 15. They were given a sign. They asked no questions. They made no excuses. Luke tells us they hurried off. Don't we ask for signs all the time? Don't you think God is constantly pointing us in the right direction? Is he too subtle, or are we too caught up in the interpretation of how we want our lives to go that we miss the signs because of our wills? I hope, though, that with such amazing messengers, I'd rush off to investigate. But how do we feel if an angel did appear in front of all our friends or co-workers and say, here's your sign? I don't know about that. It may be a bit intimidating having to admit that I needed an awesome angel to get the message across to me. I am impressed by the shepherds' immediate reactions. They left their flocks and hurried off to see the sign, and they were the first people on earth, after Mary and Joseph, to encounter the Messiah. Not a Messiah, but the Messiah. Our Saviour sent us a helpless baby in a manger. Nothing under the Christmas tree will compare to that. It's no good even trying to compete. The message of Christmas is the gift of God's Son to save us from everlasting darkness. Go ahead, unwrap it. Check it out as the shepherds did. It's free. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to the Social Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNinney. Today I'm talking to my children who will be reminiscing about their favorite Christmas traditions during the years we homeschooled and what they think they may keep as they move beyond the nest, especially this year without us there, except for Malia, who will be with us for a very English time. Later on, I'll talk to you about our different Christmas last year and what we plan to do this year, this weekend. So settle yourselves down with a cuppa, maybe with something to fortify it in this positively chilly weather. I've got a mince pie to munch on, perfect for breakfast or tea. So let's get started, shall we? I've managed to rally all my children together to have a fireside, or should I say a kitchen table chat about Christmas memories during our homeschooling days. With me in Garland, Texas, is my filmmaker son, Ian. As the oldest, he's in charge while we're away. My zookeeper son, Simon, holding down the fort admirably for us and ensuring the house doesn't burn down. My teacher daughter, Paris, who lives by the sea in Corpus Christi. And my youngest, star barista and dancer daughter, Malia, who also lives by the sea in Leon Sea here in England. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Hi. Well, this was quite a feat, gathering us together, not only across the miles, but across the time zones. But we did it. And I thank you all for being here. All right. Well, we know how we're going to do this and what we're going to do. So, Ian, over to you. Tell us just a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go into listening to what your favorite memory was. At Christmas, well, that is. I, um, yeah, well, I... Went to, well, I was homeschooled and graduated in 2003 and went to Collin College and then to College of Santa Fe and graduated in 2006 with a degree in film. And that's what I'm doing with my, uh, with my life. Well, good. Well, good. So, Ian, um, Christmases at our home um, while we were homeschooling, what, what was your most um, vivid memory that you have? Um, well, most recently, even, I remember that um, I've been getting more involved with the, the Christmas photo and the Christmas cards. We all used to, we all used to pitch in as a, as a family and make homemade Christmas cards every year with, uh, with little handmade, little, I don't know, yeah, drawings, I guess, um, yeah. just to kind of, just to kind of touch up the card and personalize it a little bit. And we did that for many years, and 
would usually just include a regular family photo. And over the past five years or so, we've kind of made it a, a much more interesting family photo from us standing in front of a supposedly 30-foot-tall Christmas tree, which obviously couldn't fit in our house, <laughs> um, to all of us jumping up in midair, and I kind of put us all together so that it looked like we all we were all jumping just as a big group. And last year, I think we did we did bobbleheads. We were all kind of dressed up for a fancy party, but we were all bobbleheads with giant heads and you know the little body sitting on the mantelpiece uh, on top of the fireplace. And so, obviously, you didn't um, take the photograph of all of us standing on the mantelpiece. So, how were right. you involved in um, getting that um, illusion? Well, we uh, we took the photos individually in front of in front of just one of our plain walls, and I was able to cut each one of us out. And and through using Photoshop, I was able to put us all on the mantelpiece and make it look as if we were standing on top of this. The, uh, standing on top of the fireplace, all is you know five inches tall with giant heads and springs on our necks. So it was funny. actually really, it was actually really funny. It was. It was a really good card. If any of my friends out there are listening, you will have got that one last Christmas. So I don't know um, what we've got in store for you this year, but I'm sure you'll get one in the mail. Um, go back. Let's go back to the cards that we actually made. We would, we would. Um, I think your dad used to maybe do a drawing and then we'd um, decide on some colors and we'd all sit around the dining room table. Do you remember that, Ian? We would. It would, um, it would be something we would take a, a full evening and all six of us would sit around and each one of us would have one color paint pen and we knew what we were supposed to, <laughs> what part we were supposed to just kind of add a little personalized touch to. And mm-hmm. then after the cards were all personalized, we'd go back around again and we'd all sign our names inside with that color paint pen. So it always made it kind of a personalized card for us and it was always, I don't know, it was always fun, especially yeah. because it only took one day. It wasn't like it was a big ordeal that, yeah. that took us us kids more than just that one evening. Yeah. So you enjoyed doing that? We did. I did. I, I don't know if Malia and Paris did, but Simon and I sure did. Yeah, did you? Go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always had the gold paint pen. Did you? <laughs> yep. I always wanted the purple, but I don't think we ever got anything with purple in it. So <laughs> some of us had the the small ones that you know wrote thin lines, and other ones some some years we would have just the giant ones that would make just these giant gaudy looking paint pen lines and whatnot. <laughs> it just had, depended on what what we had around the house at the time. We made it work every year. Well, good. Anything else, Ian, that you remember about Christmas that you want to? I mean, we used to do we used to do Nutcracker every year for about how many years? Eleven years, something like that. Forty-seven. Forty-seven years. Seven years. <laughs> like that long. <laughs> yeah, um, and so we. I do remember there was a point there where we were organizing our entire holiday schedule around Nutcracker, and uh, that was that was definitely interesting. Realizing, hey, it's Nutcracker, and then all of our Christmas plans. That's kind of how the priority went there yeah. one year. And I think after that, I think we all kind of were able to put things into perspective and, and backed away from that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can remember but, that one year when Christmas fell on the weekend, and we still had mm-hmm. to do Nutcracker on Christmas Eve. Do you remember doing that? Christmas Eve, yeah. and we went straight from SMU to... Um, well, we went straight from SMU to church. I remember we did that one year too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we right. would every year it would be it would be something different, but it was always I don't know. It was always a tradition. It was always something that I think I don't know if everybody looked forward to, but when when it was time to do Nutcracker, everybody knew the holidays were coming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it was always there was always enjoyable aspects of it, I guess. Mm. Well, thank you, Ian, for your memory. And um, I'm going to go to Paris uh, for the last couple of minutes of this segment before um, I have to take a break. So, Paris, just tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been graduated? Um, I graduated in 2007, and I, after that, I went to Africa. Mm-hmm. And then I came back and went to Quad C for two years and received my certificate to teach special ed. And now I'm just working in daycares. So, and you're in Corpus so, Christi. Yeah, and I'm in Corpus Christi. 
Yeah, yeah. By the sea. By the sea. And um, let's get started on what was your favorite part of the uh, Christmas holiday at the McNenny Homestead? Well, ever since I can remember, we would always put up the Christmas tree and then start gluing our chocolates with the little ribbons to hang on the tree. And I first started off by just sitting on the bench by the counter watching. And then I can remember one year I just asked if I could do it and you were standing behind me to make sure I didn't glue my fingers together or get glue on the counter or anything like that. Because that would have been some hot glue. It, I, well, I even think I did it a couple of times and it that did hurt. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, well, let me let me explain a little bit about that um, tradition. In England, they sell chocolates that already have little hangers on them for us to hang straight on our tree. And when I came to America, I realized that um, they didn't have those chocolates. And I thought, oh, we've got to have chocolates on the tree, not just candy canes. So we'd go out and buy those little packets of assorted chocolates. And then I would take colored, you know, those ribbons that you'd, you'd wrap um, gifts with and you could kind of, you know, sort of, pull them to make them curly, I don't know, just different colored ribbons, and cut them, and then super glue them. Super glue them? No, hot glue. Yeah, no, uh, hot glue. Hot glue, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And how many about, do you suppose I did, Paris? Oh, I don't know, hundreds maybe? Or it it seemed like when you were just sitting there gluing candy after candy. Yeah, and, and did it last the whole Christmas season pretty much? Um, it depended on who was around and if we had Watson or not, because Watson liked to sneak the chocolates off the tree. So <laughs> that, was actually, really that was actually me. Yeah, was that actually, was actually yeah. Or if they actually made it onto the tree, or if someone didn't come by and sneak it out of the box before it made it to the tree. Uh, Paris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so that really, I, I had a rule. You could sneak chocolates, but not the ones that already had the little hangers glued to them. That's right. The that's right. Them. Whenever we would actually be gluing them together, we'd, we'd take more than we'd actually glue ribbons to. Yeah. Yeah, we would. Well, it's time for me um, to go on a break. I'm talking to my children about Christmas as it used to be while they were all busy in their homeschool. We're having a lovely time going over old traditions and just chatting and being together on this Eve of Christmas Eve. But I've got to go on a break now, so don't go far and come back to listen to the rest of our reminiscing. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. It's time to get your boots on with the Boot Campaign with hosts Megan Roth and Bailey Gray, Thursdays at noon, 1 Central on Toginet.com, sponsored by Austin Bank. The whole point of the Boot Campaign is to continue the true grassroots initiative developed by a group of patriotic women known as the Boot Girls. Inspired by the true story of Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor, the Boot Girls got started with celebrities but want every American to get your boots on by purchasing a pair of the Give Back Combat Boots. The campaign's motto is simple. When they come back, we give back. For more on the Boot Campaign, go to the website, bootcampaign.com. The Boot Campaign Get Your Boots On Show will feature discussions on current events impacting the lives of active duty and retired military, interviews with our nation's war heroes, medical professionals, and celebrities who have put their boots on. Do your part and join us for The Boot Campaign Get Your Boots On Show with Megan Roth and Baby Gray, Thursdays at noon, 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Right, we're back, and um, I'm talking to Paris, and she was um, telling us about hanging chocolates on the Christmas tree. Paris, um, anything else about that particular tradition, or um, was there something else that you wanted to talk about? Um, there's something else. We would always make uh, hot lemon curd mm -hmm. and shortbread, and I think making the lemon curd was always my favorite, getting to squeeze all the lemons mm -hmm. and then eating the hot off the, uh, off the bottom of the pan. Yeah. So that was always a lot of fun to make and something I always enjoyed doing. So what what did you do with the lemon curd, well, apart from give it away to guests and uh, friends? How would you eat lemon curd? Um, you would usually put it on some bread or some toast. Mm -hmm. 
But funnily enough, I never really liked eating it except for when we were first making it when it was really hot out of the pan. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Okay. And then. What else did we make? And we made shortbread, which um, poking the holes in Emily and I always got to get the forks and poke the holes in the dough. So I guess it was just for decoration. Mm-hmm. So the best shortbread was, was the burnt shortbread. Oh, yeah. The burnt shortbread. Oh, yeah. Well, and uh, why was that the best shortbread? I don't know. It was the shortbread that we got to eat. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like you always made enough shortbread just to give out to everybody. You made about ten batches to give away to everybody else, and we would we would get all the burnt ones because I don't know. I mean, you know, I guess you weren't going to hand them out. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so was this, oh no, actually, you didn't want to give your friends and, you know, because I put them in nice little tins and, and give them as gifts, and so I really wouldn't want to give burnt um, shortbread as gifts. Um, Ian, was there something that we used to make or that I made once and never made again that you really you made liked? You made this peppermint spread. I don't exactly remember what we what we put it on. I think it might have been ice cream or something like that, but we melted like a thousand peppermints. And we made this like there were I mean you jarred enough to to last a while, I think, but we made it one year, and we never made it again, and it was well, you, know, I mean, you know why we never made it again? not quite because it was so difficult oh yeah and it wasn't it wasn't one of those easy things to make, and it just took forever because I had to crush up all of this pepper you know these hard peppermint candies and melt them. It was kind of like. It was kind of like making candy in reverse. I should have actually made the peppermint from scratch. That probably would have been easier, but it was just that recipe that I found. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I used to make pralines. Do you remember me making pralines? Yes. Yeah. Or Ian, your fudge, your fudge balls. I made oh. those like two or three years, and then I think we lost the recipe somehow, and I've never been able to make them since. Yeah, those things are take so them. good. I know. We used to take them up to Nutcracker and give them away up there. I think they loved us, don't you? <laughs> Yeah. What about, what yeah. about you? What about you, Simon? You're not saying anything. Um, what about food. What was the favourite thing that we used to make? What was your favourite thing that we used to make? Am I putting you on the spot? Yeah, you are. Uh, <laughs> what about, ta- what I mean, about tacos? <laughs> the chocolate stuff was always my favourite. I was. I don't. I like chocolate. I wasn't a fan of shortbread or lemon curd. It was anything chocolate. Yeah. So basically, the Christmas tree. Basically, the Christmas tree and and, and Ian's chocolate truffles yeah. that he would make. Those Paris really and Malia yeah. and I made a, a stash out in the backfield once of all the Christmas candy we'd stolen. <laughs> it, was, it was my ploy to get their candy because they'd put it in there for me. And Simon would, <laughs> Simon some, would pretend uh, that it just... Some animal ate it. I swear I didn't eat the candy that one time, but we came out and our whole bag of candy had been ripped open by an animal. <laughs> Funny. Unless Paris probably took it, which she could have done too. Or it might have been Watson. Do you think? I mean, maybe he did. He did go down there. Yeah. So Paris, you're admitting to finding the stash and ripping it open. I think Malia and I had planned it, but I don't know if we actually ever did it. And then we were going to hide it in those little safes that you had bought us that we kept in our rooms. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if we actually did it. I think by the time we got down there, the candy was already gone. Ah. Uh. You know, it so. might have been rats. It might yeah. have been. That's not it might have been. thought, is it? Yeah. No. Um, what about uh, Malia? You used to make something really good at Thanksgiving and Christmas. What did you make? Cranberry Crunch. Yeah, yeah you, you did. Are you I still make it. This year? Yeah. I want to make it this year. Yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah. Simon always makes me eat raw cranberries because he convinces me they taste really good. Yeah. He puts one in his mouth and pretends to chew it, and I actually chew mine. Mm-hmm. And then he still has his whole cranberry because he's only put it on the side of his cheek. And pretended, right? He's a cheater. I think you would have learned by now. I know. I know, but she still does it every year. Well, Paris, thank you very much for sharing your memory, your food memory with us. Is there anything else that you want to add? Um, No, there's not. Just no? I hope you all have a good Christmas. Yeah, well, we will have a good Christmas. And you just stay right there because we're not going anywhere yet. I'm going to talk to Simon. Simon, tell us a little bit about yourself and how long ago you graduated, if you can remember when you graduated. 
Um, I graduated in 2006, and I went to Texas A&M University after going to Collin College, and I graduated with a wildlife fishery science degree, and I'm currently working at the Dallas Zoo. All right. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank so, you. Um, Christmas memory, what's your favorite Christmas memory? My favorite one would probably be putting up the Christmas tree, because every year we would actually... It probably started when we were 10 or 11. We had started uh, watching Hitari with John Wayne mm-hmm. as we were putting the tree up, and that's kind of stuck with us every year. It was a two-and-a-half-hour-long movie. Yeah, but it was all about catching animals in Africa to send over to Not only you States. like watching. But, I mean, but it was a good movie, and it still is. But you know, you know what, Simon? That had absolutely nothing to do with Christmas except for the fact that now, you know, it's part of our tradition, but it... Right at the beginning, I mean, how did he even get started? I'm not sure how it got started. I just know I wanted to watch a movie. I think that was the one we had found at the Blockbuster or something. I had been waiting for it to come in, and it just happened to come in around that time. And so creatures of habit, as all four of my children are, every time Christmas rolled around after that, we'd have to watch a movie, but it couldn't just be any old movie. It had to be Hitari. In fact, you own a copy of that movie now? I do. I have a DVD now. And are you are you going to watch it? I will. Put yeah. Free up, yeah, yeah. When? What about your children? Are you going to take it with you to your family? Is that going to become your tradition? Probably. I'll probably <laughs> keep watching it every year. Okay, so actually putting up the Christmas tree, right? So we had this artificial tree that we would put up. But who who would usually put that up? I would. You would all on your own. Yeah, usually. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And then what about the decorations? How did how did we how did we divvy out putting out the decorations? The decorations were just in numerous boxes, and I think we'd all kind of just randomly grab stuff and try and evenly disperse it across the tree. Yeah. But yeah, and then then the candy went on after that, and then after the candy we put streamers. Okay. Okay. So explain so about, about streamers. streamers. Yeah, we <laughs> explain about the streamers. Well, the streamers we used to we used to have these little rings of streamers, um, and we'd usually get two or three packets of them, and we'd throw them up in the air, and they'd become this long, huge strand, and they'd drape the tree. Sometimes we got metallic-y ones, sometimes other just colors. Mm-hmm. It was always fun. It just gave it a little more, a little more bling. Yeah, a lot of bling, but when you were younger, you know, that bling didn't go very high because you were only small, and so you'd throw these streamers and you'd get them on yourselves or on each other and sort of a little bit on the tree. So your father and I would have to go in afterwards and kind of spread them out and stretch them out. But it was a much better, to me, it was better than tinsel because it made our tree unique. It always looked like a fun, colorful, toy-like tree, didn't it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I always liked that. Um, so, we're putting up the tree, and what about the creches? How many creches did we have? About 45. About 45. Okay, and so who was responsible for putting those around? I was. I, wa- I was. I was going to say Paris. <laughs> <laughs> and the baby Jesuses. Do you remember we used to hide the baby Jesus? Yep. And, and sometimes we'd find him so, hide him so well we couldn't find him on Christmas Eve. I know, and so and we would find him maybe in the middle of the summer or a couple of years later. We go, there's that baby Jesus. There's <laughs> And uh, the three kings. Do you remember what we used to do with the three kings? We used to move them around the house. Yep. As if they were on a journey of well, great distance. Yeah, which which they were, of course. Following the star by night. So, um, Malia, any input on this and the tree? Did you enjoy doing that part? Yeah, I always got to put the star on top of the tree. That's right, you did, except it wasn't a star. What was it? No, yeah. oh, it was a wooden Chinese angel. <laughs> like, wick, like Chinese angel. I think it was wicker, wasn't it? Yeah. It was wicker. Yeah. Well, yes, but we also had a wooden Chinese crash. <laughs> it was it was a little Asian looking. What yeah. did we lost baby Jesus? Okay, and we had a China, we had a China crush as well, didn't we? Yeah. Yes, we did. I haven't seen that one though in a while. The yeah. white China? Yeah, the white yeah. China. Yeah, like the yeah. Oh, we we could find it, I'm sure, if we really wanted to. 
So, okay. Anything else, Simon, that you want to share with us about putting up the Christmas tree? When did we put it up? Tell us when we put it up. Um, usually about fourth Sunday of Advent or so is when we'd start putting it up, but it'd always stay up later than, 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 everybody uh, than everyone else is. Yeah. So that was always fun. Everyone else takes them down like right after Christmas, and we leave ours up well into January. Well, January the 6th actually is, is the date. because that's Some the people would call that lazy, but we called it Epiphany. Yeah. That's right. And Simon, I hear you put the Christmas tree up um, quite a bit before Thanksgiving this year. Oh, well, I had to. You guys weren't here, and that's when I wanted it up. The tree is already up? Yep. Yep. <laughs> nuts, nuts, nuts. Okay. Right. Well, um, we're getting ready to go on another break, but we've still got two minutes. So um, open, open mic for anybody that wants to say something. Well, something that didn't get mentioned by any of us is watching Christmas Eve on Sesame Street every Christmas Eve. We had it on VHS for such a long time, and I but think that you had just recorded off the yeah, TV. Yeah, I think Dad had recorded it off the TV. Yeah, the first and year it came on, probably. Yeah, and it it we watched it so many times that I think it wore out. And um, I think well, one year I did buy it on DVD, and we watched it again after a couple of years Maybe without a hiatus. Tape, yeah, yeah the, the tape had broken, and we just didn't replace it. Well, I remember that year that you bought it for us on DVD because it was, it was the Christmas Eve present that you were allowed to open. Right. Yes. And you were never allowed to open a present on Christmas Eve. But this year, because Ian had bought this gift and nobody really knew what it was, you said, we have to open it on Christmas yeah. Eve. And it was. It was the DVD of Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. So I think that's a, that's a lovely tradition because at least it has a Christmas theme to it, not like Simon's. Hitari. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and we did. We used to watch that, and um, usually we'd watch it and then go off to what the family mass or something like that. Or we would have we would have Chinese food. Yep. And then watch Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. Okay, and would that be after mass or before mass? I think it's after. I think it was after mass. Well, the Chinese food was definitely after mass because we could never find any other restaurant open except for a Chinese restaurant, and then in the end, it just became. Uh, yes, after after mass on Christmas Eve, everywhere was closed except for the Chinese restaurants. Yeah. Probably not now, but back in the days when you were babies, that was the reason. Oh. And so now that's that's why that became another tradition. It's funny how these traditions kind of develop over the years. Well, um, we are going to go on another break. For those of you just joining us, I'm talking to my children, Ian, Simon, Paris, and Malia, who are reminiscing about all the wonderful traditions we made while they were growing up in the warm and fuzzy homeschool nest. We've been chatting about Christmas cards, cooking, tree decorating, presents, and other seasonal tidbits. So stay with us while we break for a few moments, and we'll be back to continue our walk down memory lane with you. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Why do I feel so lousy? Why are my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, Solving the Connections of Autoimmune Disease to Thyroid Problems, Fibromyalgia, Depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better, to make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live, Monday nights at 9, 10 Central, here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. 
All right. Well, we're back, and、um, now I'm going to be talking to my youngest daughter, Malia, who's in England, but she's actually not with me at the moment.、Um, so, Malia, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing and why you're here, and your three siblings are in Texas.、Um, I graduated in 2009, and then I was at Collin College for three years, and I was ready for something different. So I moved to London to go to dance school in a little place called Leon C, and that's in Essex、mm-hmm. by Southend, which is a bad area. But Leon C is a really good area. <laughs> it's really classy and really rich people. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I'm going to college here to study dance and musical theater and such, and that's why I'm here. That's why you're here, and it's for a year, right? Yes, until July. Yeah. And、uh, okay, so what is one of your memories? One of your favorite memories? And remember, Malia's the youngest, so、um, her, some of her, some of the things that her siblings remember, she hasn't been able to、um, fully remember. But I'm sure whatever she talks about now will be something that everybody will have a、um, comment about. So go ahead, Malia. Um, I just remember how. Well, I remember one year Simon started it all, and we got baskets for Christmas,、mm-hmm. and they would have food in them、mm-hmm. because we weren't allowed to really have snack food in our house <laughs> growing up. <laughs> so Simon, that was Simon's way of letting us have snack food. So he would buy us a bunch of. He would buy us little coffee packets and hot chocolate packets and chips and cookies and stuff, and then he would make us sit in our rooms and share it with him.、Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so there was a whole season of that one year where everyone got little baskets of goodies.、And、then I think that trickled on to the next year, and then finally we moved on to something new, and that was the Christmas of World Market. <laughs> um. So mom and dad would always have to take us shopping because we didn't have a car or anything, too young to drive, and so they would they took all of us to World Market. Like each individual child would go to World Market, and one year Paris bought everyone ice cream sundae glasses, and those were good and used. We still have those. Those are、used. awesome. Yeah. So Paris bought. I think it was like me and Simon and Ian one, and then someone else bought Mom and Dad one, and it was just like everyone then had an ice cream dish, which was nice. And then one year, somebody bought hanging chickens. Oh, they were the weird, I don't know why we bought those. They were little little t- stuffed toy chickens, and each one was a different color, like hanging in a string down. You would hang it from the wall, and it would have a bell on the bottom of it.、Mm-hmm. So someone bought someone that, and then Simon bought somebody a circular one, same thing with chickens and everything and bells and all. It was just it was so strange. But anyway, so they were they were very themed Christmases.、Mm-hmm. So、I、do you remember? Do you remember that the the rest of you? Do you remember those themed Christmases? Yeah. Yes, yeah, we do. Always fun. Yeah, well, it's always difficult to come up with ideas, and you know, as parents, well, you—I guess you came up with some ideas as you got older, but when you were young, it was really difficult to try and find something that was in your price range. Yeah. For you to buy each other. So, Malia, what do you remember about?、Um, I mean, obviously, we bought presents and we wrapped them. And we hid them. So, what do you remember about all of that before they made it under the Christmas tree? What was that? I don't know. I never remember. I never remember actually trying to look for the presents and finding them.、Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think we ever did that. We just waited until they were put under the tree,、yeah. which was like maybe a week before Christmas,、mm-hmm. and then we would open them <laughs> and then <laughs> rewrap them. <laughs> Did you actually open all your presents? No, just just the big ones, the ones that look like shoes. Those are the ones I, I opened. I never did that. You did. Oh, one year, one year I asked、no. for a digital camera, and I、uh, found that in the closet. Yeah. 
And I, I do remember the, the whole day that you would take to wrap the gifts, though, and we wouldn't be able to go in your closet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would, you would ban us from that. You would. You would hold yourself up in the closet for, like, a day and a half. And so how did that make you feel? Left out. <laughs> Left out. Did you really want to share in the uh, the wrapping? No, we just wanted the gifts. You just wanted and you always, they always, you always um, put little cards on each present, like little you tiny write cards. Some code. Yeah, there were codes, and we never ever broke the code ever. Wait, you didn't. Oh, good. You, you would put like seventeen F. <laughs> and then well, we would, would come think to be we passing, would. It would come to be passing out presents, and we're like trying to catch a rhythm of of what number we had after each present, and they never matched up ever. Or we'd know. have a certain wrapping paper that we would use for ourselves, and then they wouldn't use it as yeah. They would person. use they would use Simon's wrapping paper to wrap one of Malia's and like two of Paris's. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Dad was just making it up as he went along. Yeah. People making mistakes, probably. And then there I was... Mean, there, you, you didn't even... Guys, you guys didn't even get it perfectly every year. No, no, of course we didn't. No. And then You're there like, were which the, one's that? There were the stockings, which... Santa did. Always, well, they always were too heavy to hang from the <laughs> fireplace. <laughs> yeah. They were never, ever, ever hanging unless they were empty. And they would be overstuffed, you know? Mm-hmm. Like chocolate spilling out of them, and then there was always an apple and an orange in the bottom. Mm-hmm. Both. Yeah, waste oh, of space. I remember one year <laughs> we opened all of our stuff, and all of our stocking stuff was everywhere. And we went in the kitchen to do something, and Watson ate all of my chocolate. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> do you remember that? That was yeah. funny. Yeah. He like ate through all the wrapper and everything. Yeah. Yeah, Watson's our family dog, in case you haven't guessed. I can remember we always used to get irritated because we would open the stockings and then we had to take a Christmas photo. Yeah, or or breakfast. Or breakfast. Or breakfast. Well, let's talk about the Christmas photo then. I mean, it was something that I had to do, but it was obviously something that none of you wanted to do. No. (laughs) We just wanted to get to the present. Yeah. Well, and you'd have to go and get dressed, right? Yep. We would have to go shower and get dressed, and somebody would somebody would get upset because somebody else was taking a super long shower or something like that. <laughs> and then, yeah, we'd, we'd get dressed, and we'd all we'd all begrudgingly take a take a Christmas morning photo. It was always such a pain. I don't remember why. I don't either. It really wasn't that. I funny. was never really affected by it. Oh, well, you were in the photograph, so weren't you? You know yeah, what it was? It didn't bother me. It was it was the tripod. It was setting up the tripod. Yep. That old thing. It took about twenty minutes to figure out how to fix that thing. Mm-hmm. Every time we used it. <laughs> well, so we have some good memories with photographs because every year a new photograph would appear in your photo album, and um, you children had the backstory. For me, it was always there's our family photograph from 1992 or whatever. And you would say that was the year that mom made me go back into my room and change because I wasn't taking my photograph dressed like that or something. So <laughs> I remember the year of Simon's long hair or the several years of Simon's long hair. And then you had a giant argument with him on taking off that beanie he would always wear. <laughs> the I mean, photo? for everything, but yes, for the photo. I don't remember that. It was just this green, that. this 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 matted, pilled green wool hoodie. Or a, a beanie that he would wear to keep his hair out of his face. I'm pretty sure I have that in Leon C with me. Yeah, no, that's Granny's. Oh. Does anybody remember the the Christmas we all got toilet brushes? Yes. That was like two years yeah. ago. I know. Yeah. yeah. Or, or the year that Ian Ian gave me windshield wiper blades. But so we're talking about. So we're talking about you still got stockings like two years ago. So I think you're pretty fortunate. I think we did not yeah. Santa, Santa keeps remembering us every year. Yeah, so what are you going to do? What are you going to be doing this weekend when there's no Santa and no stockings? Are you going to do each other's stockings? I mean, he's I'm going to go buy right? my own. Oh, you're going to have to go buy your own? Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll probably do something. Yeah. 
And uh, Malia, next next week you're heading to Texas, I believe. I believe so. Yeah, so you're going to actually not actually be spending Christmas there because you're going to be spending Christmas Day here with us. And, oh, I need to tell you, everybody, that um, Christmas Day is on Sunday, which means in England it is um, recognized officially on Monday. So Monday is the holiday for Christmas Day. And then here in England we also have another day called Boxing Day, which is the day after Christmas Day, which should be on Monday because that's the day after Christmas Day, but because it's you know, Christmas Day is celebrated or recognized on Monday. It's on the Tuesday. And so Malia is actually leaving, I think, on the Tuesday. We're thinking, oh, she's safe. She's not leaving on Boxing Day. And it is Boxing Day. It's, it's the official. So you guys are getting an extra day. Yeah. Oh, yes. We get. We always get two extra days. But we're talking about the transport of getting her <laughs> to the airport. So that's, that's going to be. Um, Just use those Oyster cards. Well, but the trains don't start to run until about 7.30 in the morning, and she has to be at the airport at 7.30 in the morning. So we figured out a way we think, but we'll have to see. As long as there's no snow, we should be okay. Good scheduling, Malia. Well, it wasn't her fault. We just completely forgot that it was an official, because it was on the weekend, it so, would take up two weekdays. So we need to have our Boxing Day party on Tuesday. Yes. Not much. Yeah, well, you can have it when you like, really. I mean, have it on Tuesday, I would, then I can do it. Yeah, you can. Yeah, we'll have it. Go. It'll be a welcome home Malia Boxing Day party. Yeah, yeah. that'll be fun. That'll be good. Okay, well, um, we're almost at the end of our time. We've got about <clears throat> um, two minutes left. Um, does anybody else want to um, mention anything else about your wonderful Christmases? How many of them? 25, 26 Christmases altogether? I know. Um, Lots of traditions yeah. have been made, and uh, what what do you think, each one of you, one tradition that you would take to your family, Ian? Probably the Christmas cards, hanging up the Christmas cards on a string every year. Yeah. Just and to kind of display them in a different way without, you know, Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say wasting counter space, but it was just a yeah. different way to display all the Christmas cards we would get every year from everybody. And oh, that's good. It was always, it was always really cool. What about Simon? Probably taking the Hitari movie tradition. Oh, that's right. You talked about yeah, that. Just, yeah. um, Paris? Mm, hanging the chocolate. Yes, hanging the chocolate yeah. on the Christmas tree. And you gotta have the chocolate. You gotta have the chocolate. Yeah. Um, everyone stole all mine. Everyone <laughs> stole all yours. <laughs> <laughs> I do well, all of them. Oh, we forgot about advent calendars. Remember your advent calendars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, then you would take all three of those and maybe also... Um, maybe I won't wrap the presents under the trees. Oh, That's just leave idea. them unwrapped. Yeah. That's a good, good idea. Yeah. Brilliant. All right. Well, thank you so much, all of you, for talking to me. I've been talking with my children about how they remember their Christmases at the hearth of Wildflower Academy. Thank you so much, all of you, for joining me today in Age Order. My filmmaker son, Ian, my zookeeper son, Simon, my teacher daughter, Paris, and my youngest star barista, dancer daughter, Malia. Merry Christmas to you all, and don't get lost in the shopping crowds tomorrow. And we will Skype you on Sunday, and we'll be halfway through our day. We'll probably have had our very big lunch, and you'll just be getting up. So um, we'll talk to you on um, Sunday. Your blue-eyed father and I miss you a lot. Be safe, God bless, and farewell. Bye, all of you. Bye. 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 Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Girlfriend It is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, with your hosts Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriend at Principal was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out Girlfriended.com. 
and then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have mm-hmm. somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, that was an extra special moment I got to spend with my four lovely children, our futures. I was impressed at how articulate and well-prepared they sounded, and amused that the memories they had are exactly in line with mine, which tells me that we were on the same page most of the time, even though it felt as though we weren't, especially during stressful occasions like Christmas. My youngest's remembrance of the star she used to put on the top of the tree begged some differences. She'd be carefully hoisted at first by her father, and eventually by her strong brothers as she grew into the young lady that she is, high enough into the air to place what she described as the wooden Chinese angel. Ian remembers it as wicker, and I know it to be of Mexican tradition. We all agree, though, it wasn't a star. And yes, she still puts the star on the tree, and don't ask me why she doesn't use a chair probably a throwback from when she was younger and begged to use a chair and we banned it as too dangerous. I hope you enjoyed hearing them talk about what we used to do in the past until last year when things changed. Christmas 2010 was going to be completely different and luckily we were alerted to that fact in enough time to deal with it. We were borderline empty nesters with two children still living at home but working during the holiday. They were both in jobs that demanded their presence over the Christmas weekend. My zookeeper's son, whose weekends were Tuesdays and Wednesdays, had to work because this was just another day for the critters. They still had to be fed, watered, and mucked out. My barista daughter was working first thing on Christmas morning, and believe it or not, they ended up doing a roaring trade and made some healthy tips. My other two children, also with jobs, had announced that they were now quite wealthy enough to live on their own, so they were in flats less than a mile away. They could walk home if, if pushed. My romantic blue-eyed cowboy realized one sad day that there were going to be no children around on Christmas morning, traditional stocking and photograph time. He furthermore voiced his lamentations to me on that rainy day that this was going to be the worst Christmas ever. And I, not wanting to agree, thus plunging us into stalemate, said, Well, what can we do to prevent this? His suggestions were maudlin to suit his mood. He wanted to go away, call Santa and cancel the holiday, not show up. In his turmoil, he wasn't thinking about the others who were expecting us to be here. We had his recently widowed mother coming to visit. We couldn't let her down on this her first Christmas in I don't know how many years without her loved one by her side. We had children who, believe it or not, still looked to us for some sort of Christmas to occur. My Texan couldn't see any further than the traditional Christmases past. And why should he? As you just heard, they were wonderful, predictable, and safe. He was thinking, if only we could just add my mother into the mix. But we couldn't do that. Instead of crying over something beyond our control, the growing up and moving away of children, they can't stay three years old forever, thank goodness. Instead of hanging grimly onto old traditions, which they were by now, I suggested we look at things in a brighter light. Our children were still expecting their cherished traditions, so how could we include them in the new way we were going to be celebrating Christmas? I rubbed my hands together and started doing what I do best, coming up with a grand plan. Instead of it being the worst Christmas ever, it turned out to be a completely different Christmas with lots of new traditions mixed in with the old. Here's what we did. On Christmas Eve, we toddled down to Lindell, East Texas, and collected my mother-in-law. In truth, my oldest son did, bless him. By five in the evening, the two working children were finished and relaxing at home in front of the magnificent tree with their other two siblings who were over-watching Christmas Eve on Sesame Street, which they always watch at this time of year, regardless of age, and which, as we heard, had to be updated from the VHS copy we'd made years ago straight from television to a brand new DVD a gift they were allowed by their oldest sibling to open one recent year on Christmas Eve. We all went to our family carol service and mass with Grandmama, 
This was a first for all of us. Grandmama had never come to church with us, so it was very special. Afterwards, we ate our traditional Chinese food, and the children had no idea the reason behind this until just now. One Christmas, Malia was about four, which made the others six, eight, and ten, after a hectic weekend of nutcrackers and a long Christmas carol service, I couldn't face the oven. And the only place open for food was a Chinese restaurant. Somehow, the tradition was voted in as a keeper. Chinese food always heralds the start of the festivities. After eating, we opened family gifts because the following morning, the children were either working or asleep in their own beds in their own flats. The children exchanged presents with each other and Grandmama gave out her gifts. Without it being planned, we realized we'd just fulfilled all the children's lifelong dreams of jumping the gun and opening presents one day early on Christmas Eve. We were earning kudos without even knowing it. On Christmas morning, those who were around at 10 a.m., a much more civilized hour than usual, went to my oldest son's flat where he'd made breakfast and we did stockings again with Grandmama. He didn't have a real fire, but found a virtual fireplace with glowing logs on his television. There were only two children, but the novelty far outweighed the lack of participants. At about noon, we dropped Grandma off at her other son's house for the afternoon while we went to see a film. My youngest, fresh from the coffee bar, passed on the movie in favor of a nap, a new tradition for her. The film idea was a really good one. I found it to be completely relaxing. In fact, it was the first time in 25 years I'd had a truly stress-free Christmas day, and I have empty nests to thank for it. In the evening, armed with two food dishes and all our children, work was finished for the day. We went to the in-laws for a fabulous feast and more gifts. We had a steal and exchange activity that worked really well and was much kinder to everyone's wallets. By the end of the day, we'd created five new traditions for the 24 hours of Christmas, and everyone was happy, including my southern gentleman. With all the changes last year, the most difficult one for me was the letting go. I had to realize that my children wanted to be with friends more than with me. I had to accept that they were needed at work, and I had to let go of wanting everything to be just so. I had to release the tension. How did I do that? I took myself out of center stage. That was difficult. I accepted that it was their Christmas, too. In order to counter the feelings of abandonment, I reached out to friends with the same family dynamics. This is where the Boxing Day party really came into its own. You don't know about the Boxing Day party yet. Boxing Day is the day after Christmas when the servants used to get the day off to go home to their families and were given a box, a gift or a tip in recognition of their hard service throughout the year. Even today, a Christmas box is a gift for the servants and tradesmen who have served us well. Here at the flats, we're giving boxes to the gardeners, the cleaner, and postman. It can be in the form of money or a bottle of spirits, a box of chocolates, perfume, or in the old days, when it was still politically correct, a carton of cigarettes. So initially, our Boxing Day party was attended by our kiddos and our friends with their kiddos. It then morphed into just our friends for a season or two, until gradually the kiddos drifted back and wanted to be re-included. What will everyone do this year? My resident Texans say they will keep up the tradition. Through it all, the turmoil, the retraditioning, the tensions, I have to say there were good moments. I began to notice four new voices making suggestions that I could live with. My children were self-mobile and didn't need lifts here, there and everywhere. They no longer demanded my attention all the time. We could share the cooking and other preparations like going to get Grandma from Lindale or gluing hangers onto chocolates for the tree. But I still drew the line at helping with the gift wrapping, although the cunning little monkeys still offer every year too much inside information and advice? Well, we all know I'm good at that. For the time in the future when you'll be faced with the inevitable, when you'll have to make changes or kill yourself in the name of Christmas as it always has been, don't overwork the occasion. Go with the flow. It may be a treasured addition to the day or something to laugh about later. I asked my children to come up with their favorite memories of Christmas and you've just heard them. What you didn't hear were the Christmases when moods were swinging every which way and we had to pray for someone to drop in to level out the mounting tension and I still somehow managed to get the mandatory family Christmas photo taken under the tree. Put a muffler over high expectations, otherwise you will be disappointed. It's not a play with lines that stay the same from evening to evening. Ask yourself what's important for you. The family, the camaraderie, the food. Changes happen, they're healthy. Stare them in the face and show them who's boss. As I've just shown, if you acknowledge them early, you can work them out on your own terms, as I did last year. And then, when you've done all you can do, put your trust in our Saviour, 
baby in the manger, the reason for all this celebration, the reason I am here with my blue-eyed cowboy and my dancer daughter, and my three children are in Texas with everyone else I love and miss while we spend this year in England. I am trusting that he knows what he's doing, that a servant heart that I have, that I am exactly where he wants me to be right now. And in my flat this evening, the lights are up, the advent wreath is ready with the white Christ candle to be lit, presents are wrapped, the lone stocking is full to overflowing as my youngest remembers it, and I am surrounded by memories of my parents, with whom I only spent one Christmas during the last twenty years. In the garage I found a box of the decorations they used to put up. It's a small box because there wasn't room for much in my parents' house. The manger would come out on the first Sunday in Advent, and the excited anticipation began. We had Advent calendars which helped mark the passage of time as if we needed any more reminders, and we weren't allowed to open our own little doors to find out what lay behind each day as we counted down to Christmas Eve. My father would come into our rooms each morning and carefully slit open the little door for us to reveal the scene or picture. Some of the doors were looser than others, and we had to promise not to peek, but the double doors of the 24th proved to be more than we could resist, and we prayed that my father wouldn't notice the bent edges where we'd sneak to peek. If he ever did, he never mentioned it. My brother and I would make paper chains to hang across the ceilings in our bedrooms, starting on about the third Sunday in Advent. We'd try to make long and colourful ones to brighten up our adjoining rooms and have them look as festive as possible. Mine was the small room, so I had an abundance of chain. Some years I also managed to rustle up some gold or silver tinsel, as evidenced on a recent photo I found taken during the holiday season. My father would put the tabletop tree up on Christmas Eve so that the lounge was transformed overnight for us while we slept. Stockings were draped on the bottom of our beds, and these we were taken to our parents' room for unpacking the next morning. We'd probably been up for a couple of hours waiting patiently in bed before tiptoeing into their room at a reasonable hour. It was winter, so all was dark outside, and as children we thought any time would do, but not so. Our main presents were always neatly laid out on a chair in the lounge, and we were always tantalised by the knowledge that unknown treats were awaiting our enjoyment, but only after we'd been to Mass, eaten our breakfast, and walked the dog. After opening our gifts, we'd be ushered off to play until lunchtime, which was always chicken with all the delicious vegetables, creamed potatoes, sprouts, and stuffing. I never remember my mother cooking a turkey, because she thought the bird was too big. However, I remember her enjoying turkey at my house when I'd rebelliously cook it on Sundays when she visited just because I could. Turkey's still my favourite meat. A suitable record of carols would be played during our meal, and we were always allowed a glass of white wine. Afterwards, we'd all help with the washing up, and then we'd have to make sandwiches and get the mince pies out, because our grandparents and uncle and great-aunt would be arriving shortly, after their lunch at home. They'd walk through our door laden with boxes of presents for us, which would be ceremoniously placed under the tree, or at least under the table upon which the tree was standing. We'd have a cup of tea or coffee with them, then the adults would chat while my brother and I wished to get on with it. We'd eat the sandwiches and sausage rolls with more cups of tea, and at last it was present time. Then the television would go on for the sound of music, which most of the adults dozed through, but I loved. Somehow, during this break, we made room for mince pies and Christmas cake and glasses of sherry. By the end of the day, my brother and I were exhausted and satisfied, and we had the next day to look forward to, and more presents, while we celebrated with the other side of the family, my mother's gregarious crowd, on Boxing Day. And there we are. I've managed to rave on for another hour, which has flown by again. We're off to the pub for a Christmas pint with Malia this evening, and then over the weekend we'll go to Midnight Mass with our fantabulous choir, and then have a huge Christmas dinner hand-cooked by the three of us with all the works, followed by tea with my brother and his boys, and more gifts and crackers and festivities with youngsters. Have a truly high holy day on Sunday, and be filled with the joy, joy that Jesus our Saviour is the reason for the season. I'll be back next week on the eve of the New Year's Eve, same time, same place, to celebrate Old Lang Syne with some friends from Tokenet Radio. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight. Merry Christmas, darling. Our four children, who are the result of that belief. I miss you three in Texas, and Merry Christmas to you too. The hard-working staff at Tokenet Radio, my guests, Ian Simon, Paris, and Malia McNenny, also known as my four children, and my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, Sarah, and many others who are a part of my growing audience. Merry Christmas to you all. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. 
Be safe, everybody. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNenny on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who are willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So, we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNenny. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.